that is indicative of the identity crisis for a lot of kids. They're just vaping because they're trying to find themselves. If they're, you know, they're dressing a certain way because they're trying to find themselves and they just don't realize that they're probably looking in the wrong place. In some cases, not probably, most certainly. Welcome to the Generation Youth Podcast, where we ignite the future by empowering our youth. I'm James McLamb, your host, founder, and CEO of Generation Youth, and the author of the best-selling book, Tomorrow's Youth. Whether you're a parent, an educator, youth pastor, or coach, join us as we dive into the pressing issues facing our young people today. Together, We'll unlock the strategies, insights, and inspiration to elevate and equip our next generation. Stay with us, and let's make a difference, one youth at a time. Lance, welcome to the Generation Youth Podcast. You are the first official guest of our rebrand, so thank you for being our guest today. Well, I feel fortunate to to be number one is always nice, right? It is. It is very nice to remember <laughs> you were this past summer a contributor and a presenter on our youth summit, igniting the next generation. So thank you for that. Uh, you and I met through that through our mutual friend Tammy Matheny, and we had a great summit. Uh, so thank you for your contributions there, and I hope it was a value to you as well. Oh, I enjoyed being part of it. I think anyone who missed out on that summit uh really missed out on some quality insights and, and should make sure they tune into the next one and can we make a point james i think it needs to become mandatory we need to insert the you know the addendum uh, uh the legendary tammy Matheny, because she is the greatest connector you know she she introduces people and connects people on an unprecedented level so i don't know we gotta we gotta lobby for that somehow we there should be just a, a podcast only of learning the skills and traits that she has. Yeah. What a wonderful so human well. being. What a wonderful yes. human being. Yes. And if anyone would like to know more about who we're talking about, just reach out to us and, and just look at past episodes as well. So, well, Lance, our audience loves to hear our guests share a little bit about them. They, they would rather hear from you than hear from me. So if you wouldn't mind, share a little bit about yourself to our audience before we get started today. Okay. Um, it's always a tricky question. You never know where to begin. I was a, a former student athlete who, like a lot of athletes, I uh, went into the coaching profession and I was a coach at a, a small uh, NCAA college in Western Pennsylvania when I had an epiphany of sorts. I uh, had a player win an award for being a, a good school, a good citizen. He used his position as a student athlete to go out and make a, a positive impact on his community. Very deserving of this award. And uh, he was flown down, presented the award in the middle of Dallas Cowboys Stadium in front of the largest audience to ever watch a live college basketball game. And it was a very moving experience for me. But my story really begins about 30,000 feet above AT&T Stadium. On the mm-hmm. flight home from watching him receive that award, I had one of those rough flights, lots of turbulence, and it, it kind of scared me. And that thought occurred to me. I thought, what if this is it? What if this plane goes down and this is how it all comes to an end for me? And uh, I started thinking about my family and I started thinking about I had two daughters who had just started school at the time. Uh, James, I wouldn't recommend this, but I happened to have watched that that film, the, the documentary United 93, about oh. the September 11th 
uh, hijackings. Not my finest decision, but you know, serendipity maybe, because there's a very moving scene in that film where all the passengers are making that one last phone call home to their loved ones. And I latched onto that thought and I thought, well, if I had one last phone call home to my family, what would be the last bit of advice I'd want to leave with my daughters? And, uh, you know, you tell me love them. That's nice. But is that, that advice, the fatherly advice they need at those critical junctures in their life. And I started thinking about how I was on the plane. It was that young man. He wasn't the best player in our team. Wasn't our leading scorer. Couldn't run very fast. Couldn't jump very high. But he loved being a part of the team. The team was so much a part of his identity. And everybody loved being around him. He had an infectious personality because of his love for the team. I thought, well, there it is. He's a beloved teammate because he's a good teammate. So I decided that the advice I needed to leave my daughters was be a good teammate. And how do you convey that thought to a kindergartner when you draw pictures? And when I got off that plane, I sketched out some very rudimentary drawings and wrote out some brief sentences of what I thought it meant to be a good teammate, printed it off our little inkjet printer, which is what we had back then, folded it in half (laughs) and left it on our kitchen table. Well, that, that became, it got published and became a children's book called Be a Good Teammate. And that book set in motion a sequence of events that uh, led me to my present uh, journey in this world. And uh, I help people discover the art of being a good team. And I've written nine books since then. They're all adult nonfiction. That was my only children's book. But uh, I dive deep into the art of being a good teammate and I share my discoveries with others. Well, you talked that on the summit that you identify, and, and, and this is where we connected very much. So when you said um, that young people are struggling with identity, and, you know, that's something that, that we have discovered. Uh, you know, we've interviewed about 2,500 young people in the past six years, asked them one question, what's the biggest problem facing you? Listed all the questions, categorized them in self-image. Struggling with our identity was number one. Almost 90% of them said that in some form. They didn't say, hey, we struggle with our identity necessarily. But, you know, once you decipher what they're really saying, that's, that's what they're saying. Yeah. And you identify that helping them understand the value of being a good teammate can be a great step in doing that. And that was fascinating to me. So I rewatched her several times because I, I was like, I, I'm, I'm missing something. I want more. I want more of this. Let's let's jump into that because I'm I'm thinking that some of the audience is listening to us and they're like, yeah, James, you talk about people struggling with self-image all the time and you give us all these steps about what they can do, but is there anything that we can expand upon on this? And so let's jump into that. Why do you think being a good teammate can help them with their identity? Because it's an attainable identity for all. And it transcends so many of those traditional confines that are thrust upon uh, not just young people but humans in general and there's a disconnect wouldn't you say james there's a there's a disconnect uh between boomers and zoomers and you ask somebody well is it is it harder to be a kid today than it was in previous generations and depending on which side of the aisle you ask the the answer generally comes out well resounding yes because of technology and social media makes it tough but if you ask them the same question, but rephrase it slightly, is it, um, you know, is it better to be a kid today than it was in previous generations? And again, you debate, but the answer is generally a resounding yes, because of 
technology and those type of things. So it makes your life easier. I'll give you a great example. My, you know, we, we had, uh, we stopped and had chicken last night at a, at a restaurant, my daughter and I, and we stopped at the store afterwards, but we left the chicken in our car, got home. We put it in the fridge last night. We were going to reheat it for lunch today. And I thought, well, I don't know if that's such a good idea. Is it, maybe it was in the car too long. My daughter immediately gets on her phone, Googles, how long can chicken stay in a hot car before it goes back? She said, well, dad, it was over two hours. We got to throw that out. Now, previous generations, how would you have the access to the information? Maybe you suffer through, I don't know, food poisoning or something. You call up somebody, you ask, you know, solicit some opinions. I don't know. So I guess my point is it's hard for kids to have an identity based on those two questions. So what identity can they have? And, you know, and you look at people, they get, have you ever met someone who goes through, uh, uh, they lose their job and that job, that profession was so much of what their identity was. They have a hard time recovering that. You meet an athlete who is on top of their game. They love being a part of their sport, but they get injured and now they can't, they lose that identity. It's a struggle. Ever met someone to go through a divorce, you know, being in that relationship was a part of their identity. Now it's gone. Well, if you can have some entity that transcends those confinements, you don't have to struggle with that loss of identity. Being a good teammate is a component of all of those previous examples I gave. Hmm. So I think that's why it resonates so much with people. Is I can do that. It's attainable to all. Hmm. That that is a that is a very intriguing concept to me. One that I haven't thought about is that it it's such a simple concept, but that there's got to be all these intricities. How can we teach them? And to be good teammates. Because um, I'm thinking now I have three children, two are 23 and, and 20, and they were teammates, you know, in all different aspects, you know, both on sports and clubs. And, you know, teams are not being a good teammate is not just necessarily on an athletic thing, but they were all aspects of it. And I think we instilled in them the process of, of being a good teammate. But how can we teach them this concept? What would be step one? Somebody listening right now, they're like, hey, that, that is something I could work with, with with the youth that I'm dealing with. How can I teach them that? I think it's a four-step process that leads to a fifth and critical step. You know, to err is human, but to dare is to build good teammates. And that is an acronym I use, D-E-R-R. If you want people to be good teammates, first thing you got to do is D, define what that means, explicitly define what it means to be a good teammate on your team. Once you define it, you got to find a way to emphasize it. I mean, uh, you having signage around your, your team environment, whether it's a locker room or, uh, you know, your youth group center, whatever it may be. And uh, maybe you have it. It's a, it's a jargon that you work into your vocabulary that binds your team. Maybe it's a salutation on your email, or your social media pages. You know that you're, it is important and what is expected here is you to be a good teammate. Then once you do that, you have to find a way to recognize it. You catch them doing something right. So when they, you know, when they embody those behaviors, you're right there to jump on it. And then you reward them. And remember, of course, that words make the best rewards. Mm -hmm. Way to go. Nice job. Thank you. And uh, once you do that, you increase the likelihood of those behaviors being repeated. And that's your fifth statement. And that by being repeated, you turn those actions into habits. And that's what defines us, our habits. So the big question is, James, well, how do you define it? That's the most critical stage. And it has to be something that, especially for young people, that has a stickiness factor to it, it has to have a, you know, a marketing component. Mm -hmm. They're going to latch on to, they're going to remember, 
and they're going to find I like it. the fact you used the word sticky because that's a phrase that I use. Well, that's sticky. That'll work with you. So. Yes, exactly. It has to. It has to because yeah. you're competing with so many different elements. The onslaught of mass information is coming. It has to be something that catches their attention. Uh, you know, otherwise the next shiny thing will. So, uh, you know, it has to be easy to recall, easy to remember and easy to apply. And it's uh, I define being a good teammate by an expression I call I use the we gear. Uh, people understand this, uh, you know, from driving cars. It's a lost art shifting gears, but it's a, it's an explanation that very much applies to being a good teammate. You know, most of us live our lives in the me gear where everything's about me. What's in it for me? How does this benefit me? And me becomes the sole motivation for our actions. People who are good teammates are in the we gear. They make their decisions based on the answer to one simple question. What is best for my team? They choose we over me. And that provides them with a purity of intention. It gives them purpose in their lives. They serve the needs of their team. And service leads to purpose. Purpose leads to happiness. I love that you just put purpose, you know, on a side thing because, and I cannot remember who said this. And you and I may have been in the conversation when we were in a group when we were talking about this. I'm not sure. My mind is not remember exactly where it came from, but someone who who identified you know what is the opposite of depression and we talk a lot about how youth are facing mental challenges and and some of it's depression and it's not happiness it's not joy it is purpose the opposite of depression is purpose yeah and and so you kind of gave us a track of helping them overcome some of those mental challenges too so there's another benefit there that, that we haven't even thought about that being a good teammate can help them in this this process of of, of you know, working through some of the mental challenges that they may be facing, the mental health challenges that they may be facing. So uh, thank you for that point as well. Yeah, I, you know, the mental health issue and certainly all the uh, the other challenges with, uh, you know, substance abuse and all things. I think it's important for people who work with youth to remember that the drugs or whatever those behaviors that accompany that, the, the bad choice behaviors. I don't know if that's a catch-all category, but, uh, you know, those are never the problem. Those are that individual's attempt at finding a solution. I spoke, I did a, an assembly at a school a little while back and, you know, right before I was ready to go on stage, the assistant principals were all huddled over. I said, something happened. They got a call on their, their, uh, their phone and they were all huddled up and one of them came up and said, Hey, listen, uh, you know, we just had another incident here with vaping at our school. You know, it's a big problem. Yeah. Uh, do you think it, maybe you could mention something, work it in when you're talking to the kids about, you know, healthy lifestyle choices? And I said, sure, sure. And I, and I go work it in. We're going, things are going well. I've kind of got the audience won over. They're buying in, I felt. So I just threw a question out there. I said, so I've uh, got any vapors in here? And a bunch of hands go up. I was like shocked, like the, the brazenness of this. There's this one kid with like really floppy hair, stands up over exuberantly, stands up, says, yeah, F yeah, right here, bro. And I was like, wow, right in front of all your, your teachers and, and all the people you should be, you know, trying to garner their respect. That's your response. And he was so over the top. And the kids were all looking at him. I brought him up on stage with me and wow. I get him up and I get him calmed down. And, you know, he was walking across the stage. Like, yeah, Bulldog football rules. He's all excited. You know, <laughs> it's like you're talking to Jeff Spicoli from, you know, fast times at Ridgemont high. And, and I go, so you're a vapor. We just aged ourselves. The fact that you and I understand I, I, we that, did so. probably, but you know, <laughs> Google it. 
So, I, I, so you're a vaporist. Yeah, bro. I go, I broke that cardinal rule of uh, prosecutorial contact. Anybody's ever watched an episode of law and order knows you don't ever ask a question to a hostile witness that you don't already know the answer to, but it just happened naturally. And I said, well, why? And he just looks at me and he pauses very sincerely. And he goes, I don't know. And it wasn't so much what he said. It was how he said it. Cause he was sincere. And I think that is indicative of the identity crisis for a lot of kids. They're just vaping because they're trying to find themselves. If they're, you know, they're dressing a certain way because they're trying to find themselves and they just don't realize that they're probably looking in the wrong place. In some cases, not probably most certainly. And, and this idea of being a good teammate gives them a pretty healthy place to start looking because those attributes apply to so many different walks of life that transcend where you live, your income level, what kind of job you have, and those things. So I think that's a good start. And I, that is why there's value to the concept of being a good teammate. Yeah, you're really saying, you're really teaching them concepts on too, and not just being a good teammate, but being a good friend. Sure. Uh, I'm just reframing it. And, you know, yeah. I mean, the, the depth that you want to take it to, it becomes a good employee, a good spouse, a good Christian, whatever that the value may be. It's all the same concept. I love that. You know, the second biggest issue that we identified on their things where they struggle with relationships. I mean, you're hitting all these with this. And the third one being, you know, lack of ability to set goals and find purpose in life. So you're kind of hitting all of these with this aspect of, of being a good teammate, uh, of, of helping them to identify that. So we've listed some of these benefits of this. Have you seen some of, you know, give, give our audience some examples of how this has worked, how you've seen this work and, you know, some, some examples of some, maybe some case live case studies here. I've seen... <laughs> There's so many different instances that just shock me because I go back to, you know, the story I started this with folding those papers and setting them on our kitchen counter. I never, never envisioned it would be as impactful. That simple little concept, those four words, be a good team would be as impactful as they are. But I, I've seen things. I am like this past week. I'll give you a couple examples. I spoke at a series of different events and, you know, I spoke at two opening convocations for school districts for all their staff and, you know, uh, teachers, faculty, everyone in school. I spoke at a principal's academy, a superintendent's academy. I spoke at an event for uh, circuit judges for their entire state. I get emails back. It, it always happens. There's something in there that I say resonates with somebody because somebody in that audience is struggling with an issue that, that this, uh, you know, it helps them with. I get two emails back. Both of the people in the audience uh, we're in the same audience. I doubt they knew each other. It would be unlikely that they would have. They both are have transgender teenagers, and that's a very complex issue. And they're struggling with that. And their their children they're hurting, and they're struggling with an identity issue. Mm -hmm. And they felt this concept of being a good teammate was very applicable and it could be very helpful to their children because it transcended a lot of things they were struggling struggling with. So I've seen that aspect of it. I've seen, uh, uh, here's one, I had a parent, I spoke at a, an event and their child was, wanted to make the, the varsity team. They tried out several times and kept getting cut and it was tearing their parent apart and they didn't know what to do and they solicited some advice. And, you know, I, I talked to them about this a little bit because uh, it kind of, it hit with me because I can, you know, I can appreciate that. If you're a coach, cutting kids is really hard, especially yeah. you know that kid is a good person. Um, yeah. 
and I go back, you ever watch that show Suits? And I, here's what I applied to him. This is what I got it from the show Suits. I don't know if you ever saw it. it used to be on USA. It's on Netflix yeah. now. There's a scene where their law firms are merging and they've got to cut, they've got to eliminate some of their staff. They're downsizing. So they decide the criteria is going to be who has the lowest billable hours. And those are the people who are going to get the ax. Well, they go through and this one lawyer, man, everybody's so loved and everybody likes him so much, but he's going to get the ax. And they make a point. I don't know, it's Lewis, whoever the character was, makes the point that, yeah, but look at the four people that sit around that person. They have the highest billable hours. They are most productive lawyers here. What's the common denominator? It's him because he sits right in the middle of them. He compels them to be better. He's that mm. glue that in, it, it ignites their fire. And it's because of him that they're so good. So he becomes a very, very valuable cog in our, in our wheel and our success. So what I said to that parent, a mother who reached out to me, your son's a great teammate. He really is. The problem is, he doesn't have the traditional attributes. He's not that tall. He's not a great shooter. He's not especially athletic that a lot of coaches notice immediately. Those are the easy things to notice. I said to him, he's got to get his other skills to be noticed. So, you know, the way he interacts with people. His, so here's what I want you to do. I want you to do three things. First of all, make sure he comes in early. He's the first one on the court. So that coach knows that he's committed and he gets the attention. So the coach walks in and he knows he's in there. When you're in there, I want you to make sure you're interacting with the other players. So they see you, give high fives, fist bumps, those things. Make it noticed. Anybody, anybody does anything good in practice, you're going to be the first one there to dap them up or whatever that case. And the last thing, when you leave practice every day, I want you to go and thank your coach. And he did those things. He did them every day through tryouts and all through the workouts. I get an email. I don't know. I never heard about it because I thought, well, I wonder how that ever worked out. Didn't give much thought. I get an email from the mother saying, he made the team. He is the happiest I have seen my son in years and just, you know, so grateful for it. What did I tell him to do? Nothing special. I didn't develop any new skills. I just gave him a form to showcase those skills he already had. All right, there's so many questions running through my head. But, that go uh, on too long. I don't know. <laughs> no, there's, there's two that are just jumping out at me. One is, is that I, you mentioned at the beginning with about uh, defining, you know, defining my teammate and you, and you went through the easy things again. Can you go through those again and give a little bit more in depth on those? Because I want to take notes. I don't care if anyone listening wants to hear this. I want to hear this uh, on that one. And then I want to follow back up with with uh, what you just said about that teammate, because that uh, hit home with some things that I have had experience with as well. So, But go with the de definition about it. What it means to be a good teammate. I mm -hmm. said when uh, when good teammates come to those clutch moments in those life, those moments when you've got to make a decision about how you're going to respond, they, you can be in the me gear or you can be in the we gear. Me gear makes your decision based on me, me, me. What's best for me? How does this benefit me? People who are good teammates are in the we gear. They make their decision based on one question. It's what's best for my team. And that becomes the guiding principle of their life. And you know, that is their path to happiness. If we want to go in farther now, we're going to go a little bit more in depth. Uh, now, I've really come to appreciate that you don't have to be tall. You don't have to be fast. You don't have to be good looking. You don't even have to be intelligent to be a good teammate. You just have to be alive. A-L-I-V-E. And that's the acronym that probably is most dominant in my life um, because it stands for active, loyal, invested, viral, and empathetic. I'll say them again. Active, loyal, Vi uh, invested, viral, and empathetic. 
when I first started studying good teammates, I began by interviewing professional athletes, people like uh, Kendrick Perkins, who Sports Illustrated had just written an article about being the NBA's most influential teammate. And from there, I went on, I started interviewing coaches and teachers of the year. And I went into corporate world employees a month. And it got to the point I'd walk into Chick-fil-A and I'd go find that that plaque that every Chick-fil-A has, their teammate of the month, their employee of the month. I'd find that that staff member, that employee. I'd go sit down at a booth, order a sweet tea, and I'd just study them. I'd watch how fast they move. I'd watch how they interact with customers, how they interact with other uh, people and their the coworkers. And it was a little creepy, I can see, but it was incredibly <laughs> insightful because what I kept seeing were those same five behaviors occurring over and over. It wouldn't matter if it was the professional athlete or the teenager working at Chick-fil-A. They have the same five behaviors. Uh, active is how you respond. You see a problem, you don't blame, shame, or complain. You take action. You do something about it. Uh, loyal is, uh, you know, your commitment to something, a purpose greater than yourself. You serve something greater than yourself. Invested is the depth of your commitment. It's the difference between being interested, you know, having that peripheral curiosity to being invested where you to the point where you see others problems, your teammates problems as your problems and you become as committed to helping them with their problems as you are to your own problems. Viral, the younger generations, viral has a much different meaning. You know, it's uh, how many views did that uh, TikTok video get or how many likes Very YouTube true. got and it went viral. But you know, before pop culture hijacked the term, viral had a much different meaning. It meant to spread. And that's the definition applies to good teammates because their positivity is contagious. Their actions and their emotions spread to others. And then uh, empathetic. Empathy is such a buzzword in leadership circles, but uh, there's some reality to it. Maybe it should be because it allows you to understand, appreciate others' perspectives. I love this. I love this concept, and, and immediately I was thinking about how this can be applied right now at my daughter, my youngest daughter's school, and the in the teams that she's a part of. And this two two follow up questions on this one: uh, when when we were talking about coming in early, interacting with other players, and and making sure you thank the coach before you leave, that you spoke to that young athlete, and they were able to do those things. How do you get? youth to buy into that concept and the reason that is my question is is that i coached baseball for many years uh, both as a rec league where you take everybody and then on select leagues and we had a young athlete who at the beginning of season during tryouts and stuff was never the outstanding person but at the end of the season he was always one of the most elite athletes and it was like it took him time to warm up to the process. The skills were there if you look long enough. Well, his, was, his parents were transferring him to a bigger school, a school in our area that's known for being outstanding in almost every single athletic sports. They're like one of the dominant teams in the state of North Carolina in everything. You're going to see them top five. If they're not in top five or top ten, you can guarantee you that coach is either going to get a harsh talking to or they're going to be at another school the next year because they just have that kind of – That's their standard, yeah. Yeah, it's, it, and it's just been built over time. Um, they're not harsh about it, but it's just built there over time. And he was moving there to play baseball, and I was really, really concerned because they did not know him. He had not come through their middle schools that feed into that school. He was coming from a private school section. 
But I knew some of the boys that he was against, and I was like, he's a better athlete than him, but he's not going to show it. And he got cut, never made it. And I kept trying to get him to buy into these types of things, show them early. How do you get them to buy into this? How can you convince a young person to, to come out of their shell and do this? Because some of them are just quiet and reserved, and those types of things may be a little difficult. It, yeah. Well, it's your comfort zone. I mean, it's, that's life. Mm -hmm. Sports and, you know, your high school years, those are, that's training for life. Uh, there are adults that struggle with those same issues. Uh, um, I guess, I guess the, the, the point of it being, what do they want out of it? I mean, if you peeled back, I like to call it peeling back the layers of why, well, why do you want to be on that team? Why do you want to be all state? Why, why do you want to transfer? What, whatever the case may be. And if mm -hmm. you, you, narrow that down to an even more bare bones level. If you said you go to a student and I, uh, you want a million dollars, what'd you do with it? Uh, I'd buy a big house. Why? So I could throw parties. Why? So I can invite all my friends over and I'd be popular. Oh, why? Well, I like hanging out with my friends. Why? Because it makes me happy. Bingo, lights go off. What they really wanted was happiness. All mm -hmm. those previous steps were just strategies to make themselves happy. And I think intrinsically, that's what we all want to like. We want to be happy. Uh, so if you go back to the young man, the story you talked about, why was he going to that school to get more attention so he could earn a scholarship? And I hear this sometimes. Parents complain about their sports, uh, you know, experience. And I said, well, what are you trying to get out of this? A scholarship? So yeah, it'd be great. We don't have to pay for them to college. Okay, okay. All right. Go back add up every gas receipt that you have for all those trips you had to take there, the time you had to take off work to go to those trips, the uniforms, the fees, all those things you paid off. Put in the amount of time that your child has spent in training with weightlifting, workouts, off-season, the games, all that. Add it all up, and you think that scholarship is equal to that amount? Okay, maybe it is. And I'm a scholarship athlete, so I, I have a hard time arguing with that, but if you spent that same amount of time and effort on an SAT prep course, I bet you could get a full academic scholarship easier and for much mm -hmm. cheaper. So it probably isn't just the scholarship. So there's probably an element of prestige. And if you get the students, probably they like hanging out with their, uh, their friends. They like doing something that's fun with their, you know, their peers. They like the, uh, you know, the, the celebrity ish status that comes with being part of that, that sports team. So there's other things and when you get to that well you like those things all right how can we enhance that it's not just mm. your output it's the experience you're having and as being a good teammate well there's nothing that enhances the the participation experience more than you being a beloved teammate you leave a legacy that others are envious of for lifetimes mm. how do we get coaches in the buy-in to the concept of you know choosing good teammates maybe a higher priority than the some of their athletic ability. I'm not saying that the best athletes shouldn't make the team, but sometimes on those lines, like with this young man, I knew him well enough to know once he got on there and once he had 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 gotten on that team and he felt like you know there was no pressure to prove, which there was always when there was pressure to prove, he, he kind of you know moved back. He was going to excel because I had seen him on other teams. I'd seen him make a, a basketball team where his parents had invited me in. Is that, oh, he's not starting at all. How is he not playing? So give it time. And then at the end of the year, he was their go-to guy. Yeah. Um, 
So how, how do we get coaches to recognize this kind of concept in this instead of the win at all costs, I need the best people? That's one of our society's biggest problems, I feel. But let me let me table that one for one second, something you said there. You know, I think it's so important for people, young people and parents of young people to understand how much luck plays in success in sports. Mm. I mean, you if you discount that, you set yourself up for regret and misery. You can't get injured. <laughs> Anybody can get injured on any given play. It can be beyond your completely yeah. fault. To be successful, you can't be injured. And not only that, if you're a team sport, you can't have other players on your team. Your other key players can't get injured. The weather has to align. If you're in the north and you have a snowstorm the day of your big game and it gets postponed, and well, you can't control that. Or if you know, maybe you're in the south. Or if in our area, the country, it's a hurricane. So. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so those things you can't control those things. And then you know, there's referees have bad days too. The guy who's an insurance agent who lost four count, you know, four counts that day, and his boss is threatening to fire him. What kind of frame of mind is he in when he comes to officiate that a sporting event that night? There's no, not necessarily any fault of his, but that's that's reality. He might not be at his best, and that affects yours. So. You can't discount the role luck plays in those things. You got to keep that as a factor. So going back to your question, how do you get coaches to buy into that? Wow, that is so tough. And you have to be in a very, very specific situation that allows you to do that. So I don't know if the onus is on coaches so much as it is on the school administrators. If a school administrator comes out and says, all right, here's how we're defining success. And this is what you as a coach of our students are going to be held accountable to. Uh, we want them to be taught life lessons and use sports as a vehicle. We want them to have a positive experience here and uh, want them to have a chance at success, but that's not going to be, that's like number three on the list. Yeah. And we want them to be trained to be good teammates. We want them to have a skill set that they're able to go apply to other future facets of their life you you lay it out like that well and then suddenly your expectations as a coach become different but as long as we are judging them by their success there is going to be a competitive nature that compels them to make those other elements like being a good teammate and life lessons a secondary expectation it's, it's not going to be a primary drive for them and the problem is we live in a an instant society where professional sports have an expectation of success. That's how they, that is. That is it. There is yeah. a distant, distant second component. Those people are role models within our society, but they are there to win. People pay money to watch them win. We get, uh, you know, we get an identity from being a New England Patriots fan or a Dallas Cowboy fan or a Yankees fan. And if they're not, that hurts our identity. So there's an expectation. The problem is, that is trickled down into amateur sports. Yeah. And yes, we are teaching kids to be competitive. We are teaching them excellence. But should that be the most important thing we're teaching them? I happen to feel it shouldn't. I very much feel it should not be. That's part of it, but it shouldn't be the primary objective. And then, so the lower level coaches, what's the middle school coach? They model themselves after... Uh, the college coach, they want to be Coach K or, you know, whoever it may be. They, you know, well, if when you get to that major top five, you know, conference division one level, is it really that much different now with NILs and professional? There is that element because it's a money. There's an objective there. Right. So it goes down into high school. Well, you see those kids are now, well, if I get them to college, he gets an NIL deal. I just made a millionaire out of our 
17 year old high school junior well there's an element there that's you know it's a it's a big societal problem so i don't know if there's an easy answer other than if you're an administrator and you make that very adamant that this is what you want out of your experience if you're a school board member and this is what you want out of it uh it happens it happens because of you said it i almost feel like too that and maybe we, we kind of close on this is what parents should be concentrating on. Cause when you were speaking, I was feeling a little conviction here about my oldest two, as they were preparing the sports, cause they were very athletic. I was helping them develop their, their me skills, their individual skills, you know, getting that trainer for this, getting that trainer for that, those me skills. And I may have neglected more of the we skills. So Let's kind of land there. Let's uh, on this using the analogy of the plane again. Let's land our plane there. And what what how, how can a parent help? You know how what is a step one for a parent that's listening to help them develop, help their young person develop those we skills? Because that's something that I think James missed on, on on his younger kids. I mean, I think they were very fortunate that they had good environments around them. But looking back, I think I inadvertently did that. I mean, when my son was on my baseball team, we were, we, we did do some of those we team concepts, but it was more for the entire team. I don't think dad poured into him on the individual basis as much as I should have. So how, yeah. how do we help him? I mean, there's some me skills that are, that are very relevant and of value in life. I mean, punctuality, accountability, you know, work ethic, but the purpose behind those shouldn't be just for you. There should be mm-hmm. a purpose of if you're an adult or a parent, it's for your family. You know, I talk a lot in my world about shifting because we use the gear analogy with me to we, you got to shift from me to we, you shift from interested to invested. I think as parents, there are four key shifts you have to make in your life, especially if you're a parent of a, you know, um, a student athlete. I don't even know if especially, but certainly a parent of a student athlete. The first shift you make is you shift your desire to make your parents proud to make your children proud because when you're trying to make your parents proud what do you do you 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 want to make a good salary you want to have a good job you want to have a good place in your community so you try oh mom look i'm doing this and you want your parents to be proud of you if you there's nothing nothing wrong with those things but if you shift your focus to make your children proud of you well does your salary mean as much does your job title mean as much i think amount of time you spent with your kids the the income you're able to provide to do cool things with them and good life experiences and you can set them up for a great life those matter more so that first shift you shift from making your parents proud to making your children proud and if you don't have it's the next generation if you don't have children your legacy you're less yeah the next shift you make is you shift from being protector to teacher so when they you know when you're young you want to protect them and insulate them so much from those bad things but if you don't shift, you become a, a you know lawnmower parent or helicopter parent, and you set them up for failure. When you become a teacher, you understand well. Sometimes they need to fail to experience that, and you're trying to teach them those life skills you need. So when you get them involved in sports, it's not just so they can make you proud, and they, you know you you can have status in your community that your own parents have. You're getting them involved in sports so they have a vehicle to teach them life skills that you cannot on your own. And there is no greater forum for teaching those teamwork 
type skills than being involved in a team sport. So that becomes uh, your point of emphasis. Well, it transcends their playing time and things like that. Uh, then the next shift, you shift from being their teacher to being their cheerleader. When you get teenagers and kids in college, it's really hard to discipline a teenager and ground them, you know, to teach them things. Well, you got to get behind them and say, hey, man, you can do this. I know you can. And you're, you're kind of encouraging them to get involved. And when they get into their career and they're out of college or get into the job market, you're encouraged to stick with it. This is it. You can do this. You become a cheerleader. And then if you do those three stages right, you get blessed. You're fortunate enough. The stars shine to get to that final stage. And it's you shift from being a caregiver to being a care recipient. And you allow your children the honor of taking care of you at the end of your life. And that provides closer to that closure to that relationship. And it's hard because people can go resistant and go kicking and screaming because they're still thinking about themselves. But you allow your kids to take care of you. Well, there's no greater honor in any life for either the child or the parent than have a parent be taken care of by their own child. Wow. It's deep. It's deep. But, you know, I think there's a lot of truth in that. So why do you teach them to be a good teammate? For that reason. Wow. There's so many aspects to this. So many things that are going on. I hope that the audience is as excited about this as I am. How can they find out more information and connect with you? What do you have to offer for them? <laughs> well, uh, easiest way, I'm on all the social media channels, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, all LinkedIn. Uh, it's at Coach Lance Loya. My website is coachloya.com. Um, we have resources on our website. We have a weekly blog we send out. As I'm blown away by how many people and how many influential people subscribe and read that, read that blog every week. We just send those short little stories. Think uh, Paul Harvey, NPR type stories we send out every week. And then we put those We're still also. aging ourselves. Here, I, I think I did it again, <laughs> didn't I? Well, I'd like to think that someone of that genius is timeless, ageless. So. Uh, and we do those on a podcast too. Our podcast is not a conversation podcast like this one. It's those short little five to seven minute stories that, you know, they kind of warm your heart, make your heart smile. So they're all out there. Uh, we have, a, we have a, a good teammate uh, factory. We have an online course that teams can do together. We have a corporate component and we have a, a separate option just for sports teams. This is something you take a day off practice. You go to a classroom, you go through this online course together. It walks players through those five components of being a good team. And it gets them to think about, well, am I active? Am I loyal? What does that really mean to be loyal on our team? And it's a great, you know, conversation starter for coaches. So you can access that uh, through our website as well. Uh, well, thank you so much, Lance, for really giving us some, there's so many th truth bombs. I wrote that at the top of my notes here. Truth bomb explosion is what I wrote on this uh, as as I was taking notes. This is this has been a great conversation for me, and one of these conversations that I wish had occurred ten years ago for me, or fifteen oh. years ago for me, because I would have loved to have had the opportunity to instill a lot of these types of principles in the not only the teams that I coach but in my children as well as they were engaging in teams and in other places. Um, it's a very interesting juncture in uh, our lives to be a student athlete and to be a parent of a student athlete, a teenage student athlete. Both are challenging. I don't know anything I provided you today. They're all the product of my own musings and my desire to want to be a, you know, a better parent mm -hmm. and a better human being. And I stumble across brilliant people like you and Tammy and, you know, 
Chip Baker and those type of folks. Uh, and I'm willingly uh, try to share whatever I learned. So I appreciate you providing me this forum to do so. Well, thank you so much. And all of your uh, contact information and how to reach you on social media and stuff for our audience, you can find that in the show notes. So if you're watching this, just look down on YouTube. If you're listening to it, go back to the app that you have and you'll find the links there for that as well. So thank you again, Lance, for your time today. And thank you, audience, for staying with us. Listen, someone that you know desperately needs to hear this message, just please like, share, and comment on our podcast. And we'll see you again next week on the Generation Youth Podcast. And there you have it. Another impactful episode of the Generation Youth Podcast. To all of our listeners out there, remember to hit that subscribe button on your preferred podcast platform so you can never miss an episode. Want to be a part of the Generation Youth community? Follow us on all of our social media platforms. We'll keep you connected with all of our upcoming episodes and inspiring initiatives. You're not just a listener here. You're a catalyst for change. Together, we're building a future filled with promise, potential, and endless possibilities. This journey is just starting. So keep tuning in, keep growing, and let's continue uplifting our youth one episode at a time. Thank you for joining us today. And until next time, let's keep sparking inspiration and igniting the future.